This is episode 33 of the 99 Forever podcast. I'm Eric Friesen, and I've got two of my favorite guests on the show tonight to preview the Edmonton Oilers' first round series against the Winnipeg Jets, the host of the Oilers Live podcast, the Heavy Hockey podcast, and the Oilers Empire live stream, Michael Hebert, and Megathread, Mike Dursa. Guys, how are you doing tonight? Doing well. Living the dream. I've got like too many uh, things to host now. <laughs> I, <realize laughs> I could gotta, barely fit all your titles in the intro. <laughs> I got to shorten the bio up here a little bit. Yeah. Starting to become like Iron Mike Tyson with all the different <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Three podcasts you've never listened to. <laughs> well, I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast has also listened to those ones, but yeah, it's, it's an exciting time, guys. I and mean, playoff hockey's around the corner. How's uh, how's the weather where you are? It was plus 32 in Saskatoon today. 32? Yep. Oh, we had uh, 22 in um, 22 in Halifax today. Well, that's not too bad still. Yeah. Mike, what was it like out in Grand Prairie? Yeah, you're depressing me. Um, well, yes, yesterday was about 18. Today was, I think, about uh, 14 and a little rainy. Yeah, we've got some pretty wild weather changes here. I, it can be anything from minus 50 in January to last summer, I think we hit minus or plus 37 one day. So uh, I don't know if there's any place in the world. There might, there might be somewhere, but it has you know, that big of a shift in six months. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, no, I know. I, I mean, I lived in Saskatoon for quite a while, so I remember all about that. That's, um, that's been some craziness, right? It's extreme heat <laughs> and extreme cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got everything. Well, yeah. guys, uh, the Oilers wrapped up the regular season on Saturday and we're now just over 48 hours away from puck drop on game one between the Oilers and Jets at Rogers place. But before we make our predictions for this series, I just want to get your thoughts on the history between these two clubs. And although the Oilers aren't facing the original Jets franchise, the rivalry goes back all the way to the WHA and continued after Edmonton and Winnipeg both joined the NHL in 1979. However, I'm unfortunately a little too young to remember those playoff battles between the Oilers and Jets uh, during the 1980s and early 90s. So with you guys being a few years older than me, I'll just ask you, what memories do you have of the Oilers and Jets facing each other in the postseason? Michael, why don't you kick things off? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, Mike can piggyback off of all the bright stuff that I say. <laughs> uh, no, I, you know, um, to be fair, I don't have a ton of memories of it. I mean, I was, it was pretty young. I'm, I do remember it, obviously, but I don't have a lot of specifics. Some of the things that... Um, I do remember, I mean, uh, Calgary fans, obviously, you know, have always been proud of their sea of red, but I think the jets like in Winnipeg, they, they started the whiteout. Like it was, you know, I remember watching those games on TV when Edmonton would go into Winnipeg and it would just be crazy, right? Like the fans really got behind it. You know, those were, um, uh, there were a lot of uh, lopsided uh, victories when it came to wins, but I'm not sure there were a lot of lopsided wins, right? If that, <laughs> if you're following where I'm going, it was, they weren't easy series. It wasn't an easy series. I don't think the Oilers ever walked into a series against the Jets thinking uh, this is going to be a gimme. And uh, that's, you know, that's what I remember. I remember the Jets had, had great teams and, and, um, 
you know, it, the, to some extent, I kind of felt bad for Jets fans, uh, you know, because they um, they were there. I, I I didn't. I think it was probably more of a rivalry for for Winnipeg than it was for Edmonton. I mean, it just seemed in those years that Edmonton was unstoppable, right? And so, you know, it was Edmonton versus the world, versus, rather than Edmonton versus Winnipeg. But but they were, you know, everybody got around it and. And I, you know, I do admire the um, Winnipeg fans for the the level they came out and supported their team. And Mike, yeah. you, what memories come to mind for you? The, I think the biggest thing, and Michael t- touched on it there a little bit, is is the whiteout. I mean, that's that's the part that seems sort of ingrained in in my memory. Um, and you know, Winnipeg having a building that didn't, you know, not like. Uh, the bell center in, in Montreal, you know, there wasn't 24,000 people ever at a jets game, but those 15, you know, 16,000 people that they would get out sure made a lot of noise. Um, and, and I guess that's probably one of the things that's, you know, a little bit depressing about uh, this playoff and, and last year's is uh, fans not being in the buildings in, in Canada. Um, but those were high octane series, um, you know, and I don't think the Oilers ever overlooked the Jets, but they got pushed by them, but, um, you know, seemed to usually find a way. And, you know, if they were going to the Stanley Cup, they had to get through Winnipeg to get there. Um, yeah. So, there, you know, there was some series where uh, they got challenged and uh, those 80s Oilers teams weren't fair, though. They, they were loaded with talent and, a lot of a lot of times uh, back then, the the two best teams um, in the NHL came came out of Alberta almost for you know ten years straight. Um, so yeah, I, I I have memories of them. They're they're not as vivid, you know, as as the Oilers Flames series because um, the physicality physicality I don't think was quite quite as uh, intense in in those series, but uh, it was definitely good hockey. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there, there was a lot of talent on those Winnipeg teams, but as you both kind of mentioned, the 80s Oilers are, are arguably the greatest team ever constructed in history of the game. So for even a talented Winnipeg team that had a bunch of 30-goal scorers and, and finished top 10 in the league several times, to run into this dynasty, you know, and, they, and like you said, they couldn't get to the Stanley Cup final without going through Edmonton and Calgary. And they did actually beat Calgary in the playoffs two times. The only two playoff series the original Jets ever won. Um, but the Oilers ultimately, like, just completely took it over. They're 6-0 and all time against the Jets in the playoffs. And I'm sure we're hoping that trend is going to continue this year as well. And uh, the Oilers beat the Jets en route to all five of their Stanley Cup championships. So, there is a, there's a lot of history between these clubs. And for the first time since 1990, we're going to see uh, this rivalry renewed. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, uh, and you brought up the 30 goal scorers. I was not aware of that stat until uh, Eric and I were on um, a pod with uh, jet centric and uh, talking, you know, a little bit of jets and, and Oilers uh, history and, and about the upcoming um, series. And, and they had six 30 goal scorers in that 84, 85 season. Uh, which is pretty impressive. You got to go down uh, set, like to the seventh spot. 
And in, in their seventh spot uh, from a points perspective was Dave Babich. And that's not too bad, right? You know, Babich yeah. was, a, was a hell of a player. He had 62 points uh, on D that year. Um, but Howard Chuck was amazing. Those teams were amazing. It just shows you just how good the Oilers teams were back then. Unbelievable. And not to take anything away from the Jets in 84-85, but we remember back in 2017, the 84-85 Oilers were voted the greatest team of all time. Mm-hmm. And, and that 85 Oilers team had five 30-goal scorers, one less than the Jets. However, Mark Messier did miss, I believe, 27 games that season. So if he would have played, he would have likely been the Oilers' sixth 30-goal scorer, and they would have tied the, the Jets for that record that year. However, the Oilers had two 70-goal scorers. In, <laughs> no, that's in, ridiculous, in, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Wayne Gretzky had 73 <laughs> that year to lead the league, and Yari Curry finished second with 71 goals. So, you know, we might see a 70-goal scorer <laughs> again in the NHL someday, but I will bet that we will never see two 70-goal scorers again on the same team in the same year. No. Real no, long shot either. bet there, Eric. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> well. I mean, the way McDavid and Drysaitel were playing this year, who who can count it out, right? You yeah. know, uh, I'm just looking at the stats from that year. You know how many games Yari Curry took to score 71 goals? 73 what? games. Yeah, just almost insane, a hey? goal a game over 70 games. Like that is ridiculous. And when you have the greatest playmaker of all time feeding you the fuck that definitely helps too oh yeah no 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 doubt <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man well let's uh yeah let's bask in that glory for <laughs> a little for, bit but for a little while longer and hopefully yeah. we're going to have a, a new playoff victory over the jets mm-hmm. to talk about very soon so looking at the results from the regular season now The Oilers finished in second place in the North Division this year with 72 points, nine points ahead of the Jets, who finished in third place. The Oilers also went 7-2-0 against the Jets, including six straight wins, and Edmonton outscored Winnipeg 34-22 in those nine games. So clearly the Oilers were the better team overall and head-to-head versus the Jets. But how much stock do you put into the regular season dominance? Do you think that that is going to carry over into the playoffs. Uh, Mike, go ahead. Um, well, it's it's a brand new season starting Wednesday, um, and I think it's a, a clean slate for for both teams. Um, so I don't put a lot into what happened during the regular season, other than um, that gets into your mind a little bit, into your psyche, thinking that oh, we're going to have trouble because we had trouble with these guys this season when it comes to Winnipeg, but, uh, you know, I think the Oilers are a little bit more mature now in, in their, in their mindset. It would have been very easy to drop one of those games that they, uh, played against Ottawa this year and they didn't. So I don't see them taking Winnipeg lightly. I think they'll have the right approach. And, you know, as long as they, they come in, um, with that same attitude, I think they'll be just fine. And, uh, I, I think, um, I think it's a little arrogant to say they'll be over in five games, but I think, I think Edmonton will get by in six. And Michael. Yeah. You know, uh, I I'm with Mike on the six game thing. It's not, 
we've talked about this uh, time and again. I, I think you got to be wary of how a guy like uh, Halibut can uh, come in and, and potentially just be lights out. You, you see, you know, goalies do it all the time come playoffs. And, um, uh, but this, um, I, I think this Oilers team is different from 2017. I think it's different from last year. I think these guys have some confidence and some maturity. And I think some of the guys that, you know, we've been getting down on in the bottom six and, and maybe, um, you know, anybody outside of dry and McDavid, right. In terms of forwards, obviously our defense, uh, with Barry and nurse have really stepped up. Um, but I, you know, I, um, I think that they'll, um, this, I think this is a different team. I think once the energy starts, I think they see it around the city. I mean, you know, I, I can, I can hear, you know, the Oilers chants from uh, Halifax and, and it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty fantastic. Right. Like just to know, I, I wish I was there because I remember what it was like in 2006. Uh, but I, I think the Oilers in, in six. No, that's, a, that's a, a good call too. I was going to even ask you later in the podcast, but now I know uh, your, your prediction already. Um, yeah, the way I look at it is it is a new season. I agree with what Dursa said, but honestly, the fact that they have the confidence that comes with beating that team six straight times, I think that that still does carry some weight as we move into the postseason. And just the way that the Oilers have been playing the last half of the season, the way that they've really elevated their game. And you look at the Jets, they really struggled losing seven straight. And I think they went two and nine over an 11 game stretch. However, they did turn it around with a few wins late in the season. So you wonder if they've started to get their mojo back a little bit. Overall, though, I still think that the Oilers are the better club. And you're right. Some people are pretty predicting that this is going to be too easy of a series. I think the Jets are going to play them very hard and they should be able to win at least a game or two. But um, I'm still going to say that the Oilers will uh, be a, the better team and hopefully come out on top in this series. All right, I want to get your thoughts now on what specific areas you think that either team has the clear-cut advantage heading into this uh, playoff round. And since it's an Oilers podcast, let's start with the orange and blue. Michael, where do you give the Oilers the edge over the Jets? Well, it's got to be top-end scoring 100%. Uh, you know, forward depth is uh, definitely an advantage uh, for the Oilers. I think in terms of uh, defensive, uh, offensive capability from the defense, that's an advantage. But I think on the other side, um, you know, it's uh, defensively, I think the Jets can put it together a little bit more than the Oilers. I might be wrong about that, but that's, it. you know, they've they've got a good, decor if they're all playing well and they haven't been doing that this year i think uh not not to the same level that you'd expect from them but but definitely our advantage is um is on the uh forward uh forward scoring those top two guys obviously you don't need to say who they are the other you know i here here's the thing that i would say as well um i'm gonna give right now based on the regular season the advantage to smith over hellebuck and uh, if you had, if I had said that early in the season, you guys would have laughed me off the pod. But uh, right now, I think Smith is um, he's uh, got a resurgence, and and uh, we've seen him in the um, we've seen him play in the playoffs before, and he he can come up with some really big games. 
I expect I I expect a lot from him. And Mike, what areas do you think the Oilers are superior to the Jets? Well, I mean, not to state the obvious, but we've got the high-end game breakers um, that can change a game. And Winnipeg's challenge is going to be trying to uh, nullify that and, um, you know, rely on their their third, fourth lines to outplay our third, fourth lines, um, which some people think uh, is definitely uh, something they're capable of. I think our decor is superior to uh, Winnipeg's decor. And, um, you know, if the season play is indicative of the playoffs, yeah, I would agree with Michael. Uh, Mike Smith this year head-to-head is, has outplayed Connor Hallibuck. Uh, that could all change Wednesday night, though. Um, you know, your confidence and everything that you've built up during the regular season can go out the window immediately if you drop game one. So... Um, not to be cap- captain obvious or nothing, but uh, I think game one's a big game. If if you win that, then you've got Winnipeg thinking about all the times they lost all season. If Winnipeg wins that, that's thrown out the window. So I'm looking forward to Wednesday night. Yeah, for sure. And they, they always say you're never really in trouble in a playoff series until you lose at home. So the pressure will be on Edmonton to get those first two wins at Rogers Place. And then if you can steal at least one in Winnipeg, you should be in yeah. pretty good shape the rest of the way. Um, the way I see it, like I, just to, like you said, piggyback off what both of you guys said, our high-end players are better than their high-end players. You could make an argument that the Jets' top 12 forward group is better than the Oilers' 12-man group. And, I mean, that's probably going to be something that we have to pay attention to because if the top two lines do cancel each other out, then – Winnipeg's third or fourth line could be the difference in this series from what I can see. It's just going to be a matter of are McDavid and Dreisaitl going to be able to still have the same level of dominance or close to that level uh, as they get into even tougher games where, you know, defense is tighter and there's even more systems played than there is during the regular season. Power plays aren't as likely to be coming their way. I mean, we, <laughs> we don't get many in the first place, but um, in the playoffs, just maybe one out of every five, six calls might actually result in a power play. So I'm not expecting the Oilers to get a ton, but when they do get on the power play, number 29 and 97 have to make it count. And other than that, I look at the defense. I think uh, the Oilers defense is better than the Jets. Right now, Darnell Nurse and Tyson Berry, I would say are better than any defenders on the Winnipeg squad. Adam Larson, an excellent shutdown guy. If Ethan Bear can step up and if Kulikov plays a solid game and doesn't have any uh, bonehead mistakes or anything, I think that this decor is actually going to be the far better one in this series. And that could be a a huge thing too, especially with Mike Smith. That's the one thing where um, you you said that Mike Smith might have the the edge over Hellebuck in this season for sure. But I think we still have to like give respect to the, the defending Vesna Trophy winning goalie, he could be a, a tough guy to beat, especially uh, at this time of year. Even though McDavid and Dreisaitl did have a good amount of success against him this year, it's it's still going to, you know, anything can change once uh, the playoff turn. And, and like you said, it is a new season. Yeah, I, I, and I'll and I'll keep going back to that. I 100% agree. You you can't. Um... And, and I think that's the good thing, right, for the Oilers is, is there's no denying that Halibut has it in him to, to steal a game, to maybe even a series, right? And so 
I think the Oilers, you know, are going to be fully aware of that and, and play, play against that. Yeah. I fully expect yeah. Hellebuck to win at steal them at least one game in this series. Yeah. You know, I, I think actually the, uh, the big question I have, and, and, um, if you watched, uh, like that Shifley line just like was bleeding points, like, or goals against. Right. And, um, and if they, uh, that could be, you know, the difference in the series, right. As if, if they don't come, come around defensively or, you know, if they're going head to head, I don't think they want to go head to head. but when they're at home, when the Oilers are at home, right. Like if you get the right line changes, I think the, um, I, I think it's trouble for Winnipeg if they can't get it together. Like it, it'll be over maybe even quicker than six, but I don't expect those, those guys are competitors, right? Like they'll, you know, I, I suspect they'll come around and be better come playoff hockey. If, if, sure. if there's any indication from the games we've seen, the playoffs have been outstanding so far. I expect this one to be just as hard as, as all of the other games. Definitely. All right, well, let's just uh, continue talking about the dynamic duo now since it's the most uh, fun thing to talk about in oil country lately. And uh, so McDavid and Dreisaitl, we know, are undoubtedly the two best players in this series. And they absolutely dominated the Jets all season long. McDavid recorded 22 points in nine games against Winnipeg and had multiple points in every game. Meanwhile, Dreisaitl had 12 points in nine games, including three game-winning goals. I just want to get a prediction from you guys. How many points for McDavid and Dreisaitl each in this series? Michael, why don't you go first? Oh, each. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, you know, I, I can't not think, given the tear that McDavid was on, I figure he's got to get 12 or 13 points out of this series. And uh, Dreisaitl, maybe not quite that many, but... Uh, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's at nine. So let's say uh, 13, lucky 13 for McDavid and nine <laughs> points for Dreisaitl. And Which, Mike, uh, uh, those um, are huge, right? Like those are huge yeah. numbers. Yeah. Um, but but I even if the series goes seven games, it's it's you're still pretty much predicting two points a game for. Yeah. McDavid. Which is ridiculous in playoff hockey, but I, I think he can do it. And Mike, what do you got? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh a dozen for Connor and eight for Leon. Okay, I've got 11 for McDavid and eight for Dreisaitl. And I might be a little low here. Now you guys are making me rethink that I should have went higher. But the way the way McDavid's been playing the last month, I mean, he was averaging three points a game for a stretch there. So if he ends up just going off and taking his game to a whole new level in the playoffs, he, as great of a regular season as he had, we might see an even better version of McDavid in a week. Yeah. Two points like a game seems a little low, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> I, I, is this a good time to point out that I called over a hundred points at the beginning of the season? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you call one Oh five? Exactly. I didn't call one Oh five, but I did. I did call a hundred points. Yeah. I, I said 92 on an episode, I think with Shane Sander back in December and, looking back now it felt low at the time and it, it proved to be right because he beat that by 13 points look you know what i mean i i'm not even sure what i was uh, i don't drink but i think i might have been drinking that day <laughs> like to honestly predict over 100 points in a 56 game season given 
you know, recent history is unbelievable. The fact that yeah. he did it is even more unbelievable. The highest scoring yeah. rate by any player since Mario Lemieux in 1995-96. Yeah. Just to put into context of how dominant of a season McDavid had. All right. Uh, sticking with those two, there's always plenty of debate among Oilers fans on Twitter if they should be playing together or on separate lines. However, they were each centering their own line earlier today at practice. But going into the playoffs, would you like to see them stay together and force the Jets to try and shut down the two highest scoring players in the league? Or would you rather keep them apart and hopefully create an easier matchup for the dry side of the line? Because it's almost a certainty that Winnipeg's top defenders will be playing against McDavid. Mike, uh, what do you think? Um, <clears throat> as much as I love seeing them together, I, I think it's like Pippen and Jordan. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I think you use that as a kind of a last resort, not first resort. So I, I like them apart. I, I I really think, you know, um, if you ran um, Connor, Leon, and now Ryan McLeod um, and Juju Arcara as your centers, that's that's probably uh, the way I would play it. And Michael, what do you got? Yeah, I, um, I, I totally agree on that. I, I think Mike's, you know, Mike hit it correct. I'd, I'd love to see the two of them play together. I always do. But when I look back, when I think about 2017, like Dreisaitl will step it up to a level that we haven't seen him play yet this year, right? Because he, he's, he's got a bit of a nasty streak in him when he gets really competitive. Mm -hmm. And that plays well in the playoffs, right? Like, you know, the fact that he, I can't remember who he nutted in San Jose. I was at that game, but, but uh, you'll remember like, yeah. you know, he did that. I mean, that's, that's just the nastiness that comes out for you know Leon Dreisaitl and and he was outstanding that playoffs I thought in fact you know I I felt like he played a little bit better than McDavid other he than led them in scoring that yeah game. yeah other than McDavid when he shows off his skill he just it just blows you away but um, I I love the idea of of um, you know separating them I I think they're both going to elevate their game to levels we haven't seen yet if that's even possible. And um, you're going to see two guys that are on a mission this year. I'm, I'm actually really excited. I think we could have made some uh, different trades at the deadline for sure. They weren't there, weren't available, whatever. Um, but I think these guys, I, I'm maybe I'm the fan in me is getting too big, but <laughs> I think, I think honestly, I, I think we're going to see something we've not seen in a long time in oil country. I'm excited. Sure. And they should and be on separate lines. They'll play enough on the power play together. That's right. I mean, look, we know how much they're able to, you know, take over games with their power play dominance, but they, they don't really need to be playing together at five on five all the time. If you want to put them together against one of the weaker teams in the division where you can beat up on them and rack up a ton of points, that's fine. But once we're getting into the playoffs against tougher opponents, I just think that you're, reducing the talent of the rest of your roster if you have these two art ross trophy winning players on the same unit it just it's makes it makes life so much more difficult on the opposition if you can send them over the board wave after wave and i mean we all know mcdavid can have success with anybody and i think that he actually did look pretty good with uh dominic cahoon and jesse pulley i like that line and if they can 
rekindle the success of the Dreisaitl, Nugent, Hopkins, Yamamoto line. That could be the real game changer in this series. We haven't seen it, you know, put together on a consistent basis in over a year, but for those uh, few months that they were together late last season, they really turned the tide on the Oilers season and were basically good for a goal a game. So I'm hoping that that line is able to kind of get back to where they were uh, late in the 2019-20 season and hopefully play a huge part in the Oilers winning this series. But talking about that line, Eric, I think, you know, this is one of the first little stretches that they've had any type of practice time together. Right. So I'm hopeful that they come out of that and they rekindle some of that exactly how you said i'm you know i love everybody loved that line we were all screaming for it all season and and um i do expect good things from it and and as i said i do expect dry Sidle to just be on a whole different level and it's also a great chance for nugent hopkins and yamamoto to kind of both break out offensively i, I don't think either one had as productive of a year as they would have hoped for so you know getting to play with a guy who finished second in the league in points and you know, who's such a dual threat. He's equally as good of a passer as he is a shooter. Putting that guy between two highly skilled players, you know, the, the potential is there for them to absolutely break out. And I, I just think that as much as we talked about, as much as the McDavid line is going to get it done, and we think he's, we all both, all think he's going to get over 10 points in this series, reach double digits. That dry side of line, I mean, Leon could get over double digits as well if, you know, his line mates are finishing chances and they're creating offense because I love the way that line cycled the puck when they were at their best. Let me ask you guys something like in 2017, did we have anywhere near the capability to break out of our zone that we do this year? Like right from goalie outwards, right? No. No. I mean, Mike Smith is like a third defenseman in his own right, the way he's able to send the puck up the ice. And we've got... Minimum three guys that can three guys that can take the puck out of the zone, get it out of there better than we had in 2017 and four guys. If you include Smith, right? Like that in itself is a whole different world for us. Plus all these players are four years older now, you know, not just more skilled, but bigger, stronger, more experienced. I just think overall, there's no question that the 2021 edition of the Oilers is stronger than the 2017 one was. You guys think we're underrated or overrated going in? Um, I think that most people have the Oilers beating the Jets, so I wouldn't say that they are underrated in that sense, but I would say that not many experts are predicting them to go on a long playoff route. What's your thought, Mike? Yeah, no, guaranteed we're losing to Toronto, right? <laughs> <laughs> The, you know, the, the mainstream media will, will have you believe that. I mean, it's like, look, I, I can admit that the Leafs are a little bit of a better team at this point, but I don't think they're significantly better. If you look at the stats this year, it's not like they were miles ahead of where the Oilers are at. They, they had our way with us, that little uh, mini series there. The three, the three games back in February. Yeah, but then once the, shi- once the series shifted back to Toronto, the Oilers played them pretty well. Yeah. And you know what? I think them uh, matching up against Montreal is in our favor. Uh, We have to do our homework against Winnipeg and not get past that. But uh, I think Montreal uh, 
is going to play a, a similar style to what we saw again with the Florida Tampa Bay um, game last night. Yeah. Hey, yeah, I'd be worried about Montreal if I was mm-hmm. a Leafs fan mm-hmm. with uh, Weber back and Gelchenyak and they're a big team. Like the couple games they played against Edmonton, I thought I looked at them and said, this is a playoff team. Like they are not going to be, <laughs> you can't yeah. take them lightly. Toronto might yeah. win the series and lose all at the same time. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I just want to move on to the, the next topic now. And, you know, every spring there seems to be a player who outperforms their regular season totals in the playoffs and, and sort of becomes this unexpected hero. And I think the most famous example in oil country over the past two decades would be Fernando Fasani in 2006. Um, you even look at Zach Cassian. I think he filled that role somewhat in 2017. So outside of the Oilers' top players, who could you see step up and become a playoff hero this year? Uh, Michael, who's your pick? Oh, playoff hero this year outside of the top guys. Um, yeah, I, I think Neil has a shot at it. You know, I think uh, he's been playing well as of, of late. And um, yeah, I think, uh, I think Neil has a shot of making a big difference on this team. Uh, going through the playoffs and he's just got the right level of nastiness to to do it too if he if he can dig deep and find it mike what do you got who's uh who do you envision being this year's version of Pisani for the oilers well you know neil's uh, line mate on the other side might be a sleeper guy to watch and uh, chase on but mm. uh, i'm uh, i'm interested to see this big giant fin kid his first NHL playoffs. Um, I think, I think he's going to, you know, tomorrow night, he's going to have a hard time sleeping. He's going to be like that little kid at Christmas and uh, that big smiling, you know, shit eating Esatikin and grin that he, <laughs> he dons all the time. Um, I, I want to see what he can do in the playoffs. He's going to be my sleeper pick and, and not really a sleeper pick because he's had a pretty good season, but I'm interested to see, yes he in the playoffs licking his chops and and uh yeah i think that'll be a lot of fun for him so he's my guy oh man oh. i would love if jesse just absolutely took off and was a you know a, a big pr- producer for the oilers this spring and he's gonna get the chance i mean he's playing on the top line with the best player in the world I, would, would any of you guys be surprised if he ended up with two or three goals in this series no not at all in fact i i you know i don't even really now that he's on McDavid's line, I'm not, I'm not really thinking of him so much as a sleeper anymore. Like I think guys know that he's, you know, he can bring it and he's such a big kid. Like he's, how many guys have you seen go down that just, you know, then it's the way he skates with this big smile on his face. You don't see it coming. <laughs> I would hate to play yeah. against the guy. <laughs> like, I'm not even sure he knows, right? Like, I'm not even sure he knows how big he is. What was that comment he said earlier in the season? Just stick my butt out. And... Stick my big butt. <laughs> stick. Man, I, I love Pooley Love him. You know what? His English has come a long way. And, uh, you know, he's he's quite funny in interviews, too. I, I really like this kid. I mean, how can he not? He His expressions during the game, he, he just always is smiling on the bench. It, man, it just it, it's he's an easy kid to cheer for. Sure is. You know, yeah. you know, for me, I I wouldn't be surprised if his first NHL hat trick came in a playoff game. Wow. Yeah. 
Now that's a big call. Well, you know what? The last little bit there, he's he's figured out that he he really can shoot the puck. Yeah, he's got a sneaky shot, right? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't doesn't look like it's going to come at at the goalie that fast. Is anyone thinking about that two on one? Uh, the game when McDavid got his hundredth point and he fed Jesse and he just absolutely roofed it under the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a, there's a couple guys who I think could end up being a playoff hero. I wonder if a guy like Josh Archibald even steps up. You know, he's got good speed. He battles so hard every shift. He hits hard for a little guy. And I just think there's some underrated offensive skills there too. I could just see someone like him stepping up. You know, he probably might be the closest thing to Pisani actually, if you look at our current roster. And also James Neal. I mean, a guy with over 100 games of NHL experience in the playoffs. That's the kind of guy who you can lean on for advice in this series and um, you know, he's, he's not playing as important of a role as he was when he was in his prime, but there's still some offense. He's still got some gas left in the tank. And I think we even saw that in the bubble last uh, summer where he was a, a really solid, big presence for the Oilers uh, in the corners and digging pucks out. And I just, I wonder if he ends up being a guy who buries a couple goals in front of the net and ends up being uh, one of the key players for the Oilers in this series. If they're, uh, if he gets any power play time or he starts to get hot, right? Uh, oh yeah. yeah. Chase on's going to have that chance too. Like I think yeah. those guys will almost trade in and out. We've seen it absolutely yeah. for the last year. And there's still a lot of people who would like to see Jesse in that spot too. And that would also get the Oilers an extra right-hand shot on the power play. Um, but it's nice to know that they have three different options who can kind of play that net front role. Yeah. And uh, let's move on now to uh, our series predictions. I mean, Michael, you kind of already gave us yours saying that the Oilers were going to win in six games. And um, I'll, I'll skip ahead to uh, Mike Durson. I'm like, well, who are you taking? And uh, what's, uh, how many games do you think uh, it takes to get it done? I started that whole. <laughs> yeah, he I gave said, it away early. Yeah, I yeah. said Edmonton in six. I guess the question in my head, I think Winnipeg's probably learned through the throughout this uh, season, the regular season, that if they tr- try to, you know, go head to head with Edmonton and, and play a, you know, a, a north south kind of game, that uh, that doesn't bode too well for them. So I, I think we're going to see a little bit more trapping and uh, passive game from them. And, um, you know, that, that's why I think it, it'll probably extend to six games because, you know, Halibut, Halibut has the capability to uh, steal a game or keep Winnipeg in games that they have no business being in. Um, so I, I think it'll go six if it goes shorter, great. But, uh, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to Wednesday night. I think, I think that's, a, that's a really monumental game. Um, my dad always used to tell me you win the odd games in a, in a, in a series, you win the series. So, um, I hope we take game one. Definitely. So I think we're all sort of on the same page that the Oilers are going to walk away with a four, two series victory. Um, you, you did make me think of something there when you were just talking about Hellebuck in the goaltending battle, we did sort of discuss this a little earlier on, but I'm just curious when we get to the back to back games for game three and game four. How comfortable would either of you guys be with Mike Smith playing both those games 
or would you expect that we'll see Koskinen in one of those games? Because from my perspective, the way that Koskinen is playing right now, I don't have a lot of trust in him. And I've been a Koskinen supporter over time, but just lately, I don't think the Oilers can put him in there. You know, if you can try and wrap the series up early, maybe Mike Smith gets some rest there. Um, or do you think that it's too risky to have a 39-year-old goaltender playing back-to-back nights? Uh, Michael, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I've been struggling with this myself. I Look, I, I think, you know, it's going to be Tippett calling up Smitty and, and asking him what he thinks. Right. And, um, you know, I, I'd be surprised if he makes the decision uh, even before those two back-to-back games. Like, I think, I think it'll be, you know, he'll see what kind of work he's had, you know, uh, anything like that. Um, you've got to be, yeah, you've got to have it in the back of your head that Koskinen hasn't been playing well. And uh and so there's going to be some fear there, but at the same time, you know, that's the kind of thing that can, you know, a team can rally behind, right? Like a goalie that's not, you know, having some, having some struggles and, and the team's got to, you know, that's how, how um, championships are won, right? Yeah. You know, you get behind a team and they're behind a player and, and just help them out and help them get through that, um, through that struggle. Playoffs are different too, right? We've seen goaltenders that uh have come in that didn't have great seasons and that's when they become stars. Right. I'm not saying Koskinen's that guy, but I do think anyway, I mean, long and short is I think that's a a conversation tip. It's going to have with Smith prior to the game. And And that'll be a decision. Yeah. I don't think there's any conversation at all. (laughs) I don't think we're in a one, a one B situation this season. No, No, we're not in a one, a one B, but you've got got a starter. Yeah. You've got a starter and you've got a backup. And the only way I see Mike Smith losing his net is uh, if uh, he gets, this this is not a losing your nets. And this is a back to back on a 39 year old guy, right? That's right. It's it's either hockey. (laughs) Yeah. He, He either gets blown out. Or he gets injured. That's the only way he's losing the net. Yeah, and honestly, how much time off has Smith had the last seven to ten days? I mean, he didn't dress last Monday's game against the, the Habs. He played in one game, and then he didn't dress again on Saturday. So really, like, he's had a lot of time off. I think that playing back-to-back nights once won't kill him. I think that he'll be able to overcome that. It's he's shown this year that he's been able to play a large amount of games for an older goalie. I, I just don't think that that would be a, a my, my money would be on back Smith back. going back to back, yeah, but, just, but it depends so much on what the other games prior were like. And, and as I said, I, I doubt very much, I think Tippett would be leaning one way, but I doubt very much he's made that decision or will make that decision until game game day. And do you think that there's any chance we would see Staylock in the playoffs if something were to happen to Smith, or is that just an emergency situation only? So he's still on a. How's the taxi squad working for playoffs? Is it well? There's done? no salary. There's, there's no, no salary cap no in the salary. playoffs, so you can. Oh yeah, do so. anything you want with your lineup. You are you are bringing back flashbacks of Ty Conklin, and it's really scaring <laughs> me. <laughs> Ty Conklin, who played what? one and a half periods and then you see <laughs> too much the rest of the way. <laughs> you know what though when you see Larkin came in to start game two of the 2006 Stanley Cup final 
he had not started a game in over three months. And even though the Oilers didn't win that series, he was incredible. Markkinen <laughs> helped push the Oilers to game seven. Yeah. So, you know, he didn't have a long NHL career, but uh, I'll, I'll give him that. You know, he was in a tough situation. He did the best he could. Yeah, no, he was he was great, honestly. I still wonder, though. I I, I truly believe if Rollison's healthy, the Oilers win that series. Well, the Oilers don't lose game one. No, they had a three nothing lead to lose five not five to four. Ugh. It's a frustrating one. We want to stay positive on this podcast, <laughs> you know, going into this playoff series, so we won't go down that road. Um, you know, and just to wrap up, final thing, guys. Since we all picked the Oilers to beat the Jets, last question tonight, how far do you think the Oilers are going to go this year? Michael, give me your prediction. How long are the Oilers going to go on a playoff run for? Oh, jeez. All right, this is uh, all fan in me. I think they're going They're going all the way. Whether they win, I'm not going to put that on them. But, uh, Stanley Cup final. Yeah, Stanley Cup final. It's all on record right now. So when they make it there, I'm going to be playing this on loop <laughs> for all you guys. And Mike, uh, how deep of a run do you uh, envision Edmonton going on in 2021? That, that's a hard act to follow, honestly. But uh, I think we come out of the North and we go to the United States. And once we're there, all bets are off. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I think that they'll get by the Jets for sure. Toronto might be a seven-game series, but it's it's going to be really close either way i'll pick edmonton but that's probably i think as far as they're going to take it this year there's some really good teams that they could run into in the final four and even if they did get to the stanley cup semifinal that's a huge step in the right direction for this organization and i think a very impressive growth year and this team will be even better next year than they are this year so if they can get that far that's a real good building block to have and hopefully go on an even deeper run and get closer to contending for Stanley Cups in the near future. So then we'll just wrap it up. Um, any final thoughts, any uh, things you guys are looking for going into the series? Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just excited for Oilers playoff hockey, like legitimate playoffs, not some yeah. playing round where we've had, we're coming off a good streak. And, and uh, I, you know, I, there's no, um, no excuses for these guys now, right. Starts, uh, starts on Wednesday and, and you, you know, you can't say you had a long time off or you don't have the personnel or you don't have the goaltending or you don't have the defense, um, all bets are off now. They got to, you know, they got to go out there and play their game. I'm, I'm just excited to see this team with an actual team now uh, that can get out there and maybe do some damage. And Michael, yeah. give you the final word. Yeah. Um, you know, at the start of the season, um, a lot of worry, a lot of concern, you know, with Oscar Clefbaum not being a part of the lineup. I think this team has done an amazing job of, um, shoring up its its defense um and i think that's going to pay dividends uh, starting wednesday you know i think last year you know was a best of five play in to to get to a shot at the dance um they're in the dance now and so i'm i'm thrilled that uh you know wednesday night it, it all gets going and um i i uh 
I'm going to be like a player, you know, hard, hard to sleep and all that. And uh, <laughs> excited for, for Wednesday to, to get going. I wish we could be in the building, but uh, hopefully the players can feel that we're right there with them and uh, want the best for them. And um, excited, excited to see some guys that, you know, this is going to be their pr first playoff action. Um, you know, um, guys like Pooley Arvey, guys like Caleb Jones, um, Ethan Bear, mm -hmm. those kind of guys, you know, getting some real playoff taste and hopefully it's a long, uh, fruitful run here. And who knows, you know, in 06, we came in as, as Cinderella and almost went home with the glass sip, slipper. So maybe it's time we do that now. I would love that. And can you imagine if Edmonton and Carolina met the Stanley Cup final again 15 years later? Well, that would be uh i did have that in a bracket and then i changed oh, it did you? <laughs> and then i changed it yeah uh, but, a um, shot of redemption would be amazing are we going to talk about who's going to win the vancouver calgary series at all <laughs> yeah <laughs> the lottery cup <laughs> uh yeah i think we'll we'll leave those uh, non-playoff teams out of this episode of the podcast <laughs> well and uh before we go one last thing get out there and vote for me for ultimate mvp uh, yes. Go to uh, upperdeck.com slash my MVP and uh, you smash my mug on the uh, web page <laughs> there and you'll find the um, you'll find the tweet that you need to like and reshare and do all of those things. Right now, I'm, I'm still sitting a little bit in first place, by, but not by much. There's that guy from um, from Nashville who's uh, keeps keeps sticking around the guy with the. Uh, wrestling cap on <laughs> so yeah. george the right. rock uh, gave me a retweet today so oh that's, that's great that's a bonus nice gotta love big george stepping yeah. up for you who is also i know you guys did a podcast with him about a year ago which i really enjoyed um i'm sure most people already do follow you but just let them know where they can uh easy for me at oilers live follow one word and mike where can they follow you on the old twitters.com at Mike Dursa, just my name. All right, guys. Well, it's been great talking hockey with you, and soon we'll be watching some Oilers hockey and hopefully uh, have more wins to talk about in the days and weeks to come. Awesome. All right. So for Michael Bear and Mike Dursa, I'm Eric Friesen. This has been the 99 Forever Podcast. We're out. Slide.